Ezekiel 34, verses 1 to 6, 11 to 16, and 23 to 24. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord. Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, and the strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered all over the mountain and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth, with none to search or to seek for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from their countries, and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. The word of the Lord. John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. The Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel according to St. John in the 10th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Truly, truly, I say to you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that one is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, 
but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, they will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the gospel of Christ. Father, we pray to enter the fullness of your life through your son, Jesus, who is the narrow door and the narrow way that leads to you. We pray in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, since chapter 7, we've been tracking Jesus' claims to fulfill the themes of the Feast of Shelters, which is a feast that anticipates the advent of the messianic age when God will flood the entire world with new creation flowing from under the temple as rivers of living water. So, so far in John, in chapters 7 to 9, we've gone through the main themes of the Feast of Shelters. Firstly, the water ceremony, which remembers that God's provision of water in the desert. The light ceremony that remembers God's presence as light and that accompanied Israel in their journey. Then thirdly, the affirmation of God's character. The I am, the I am he who dwells among his people. Now in that third affirmation is the affirmation that God is also the shepherd of Israel who brought them out of Egypt and carried them into the promised land. This remembers how God guided his people through Moses who himself was a shepherd in the land of Midian before God called him. And throughout the centuries of Israel's story, God appointed prophets and priests and kings to be the shepherds of Israel, notably King David, who himself also was a shepherd before he was appointed king. So these prophets, priests, kings, they were appointed to lead and guide Israel into the laws of God, so to prepare them for the Messianic age, and also to then prep them to welcome the promised prophesied Messiah. Okay, so it's in this backdrop of this shepherding theme during the Feast of Shelters that Jesus then, he will stand up and claim to be the good shepherd. Now the immediate context of our gospel reading is Jesus' response to the religious leaders who who had just banished the man who had been healed from genetic blindness. That was from the last chapter. The man was excommunicated for no good reason except that he was presumed to be a disciple of Jesus. So Jesus confronts the leaders with a parable, a story. It was a polemic against them. It was to expose their guilt in a hidden way, to indict them of the brutality against the people they're supposed to be shepherding. Now what was this story about? What was this parable about? Now, like most of his parables, Jesus describes uh, an ordinary and familiar scene in people's lives. It describes the daily commute of sheep guided by their shepherds from inside town and out to the countryside. It's a very, very innocent image. But Jesus was, in fact, shining a light on a spiritual reality through an ordinary scene that's so familiar to his audience And Jesus does this, actually, by contrasting two different scenarios in this shepherding scenario. So first, Jesus contrasts how sheep respond to the voice of strangers versus how sheep respond to the voice of their shepherds. 
Then secondly, Jesus contrasts getting in the fold by the door versus getting into the fold by another way. So the first lesson is about the voice. The voice of strangers versus shepherds. And the second lesson is about the door, the sheepfold. The voice and the door. Now before we get into those two things, we just need a bit of background. See, In a typical village or town, uh, people owned um, a sheep as investment property. They'd have a sheepfold in the backyard, like how we would have garages for our cars today. But if the household doesn't have any space, they'd keep sheep in a larger communal sheepfold, which was shared among other households in town, often centrally located in a town square or in a market area. So early in the morning, the uh, youngest children from each family would take the sheep out to the fields. But then, yes, sometimes families don't have anyone who has the time, the desire, the ability to herd animals, so they would hire a town shepherd. Town shepherds are like today's dog walkers. They go around town, go from house to house on their clientele to the communal sheepfold, pick up the sheep, and then lead them out to the fields. But before all this could happen, of course, the shepherds would take the time to connect with the sheep that were entrusted to them. They'd get the sheep to attune to their voice, to their unique call, so their sheep could distinguish their own shepherd's voice from all the other noise, all the other voices around them. So then, in the morning, with all the kids around as well, around the big communal sheepfold, the town shepherds would stand at some distance from the enclosure. The gates are open, and each shepherd would sound out their calls to their sheep. The sheep would then run out from the fold and gather very precisely to their own shepherds. Sheep are remarkable at recognizing sounds and faces. And they're incredibly loyal to their owners and to their guardians. So with all that, Jesus makes this point, which is a very obvious one to his hearers. Sheep don't follow the voice of strangers. They will only follow their shepherd's voice. In fact, sheep will actually run away from people they don't know. Okay, but Jesus' audience already know this. What is Jesus getting at here? What's the point here? He's making the point that the dynamic between shepherd and sheep is based on trust. It's based on trust. Again, the shepherds take the time to establish connection with their sheep mainly by using their voice. Not only would the shepherd consistently attune the sheep to their voice, the shepherd must at the same time behave in such a way that the sheep can actually trust the shepherd. So building trust fundamentally, primarily requires, first of all, the experience of safety. You need to feel safe with someone you're building a relationship with. So once the sheep feel safe around the shepherd, they will then eventually, in fact, develop affection and intimacy towards their shepherds. Shepherds are known to give names to each of their sheep based on how they look like, based on their personality. And each, each sheep would then come to learn their own names whenever the shepherd calls them by their name. Of course, this story, this parable, is really about the dynamic between God and his people. On our part, being the people of God, we are called to trust God as sheep trust their shepherd. Whereas on God's part, the shepherd, he has to show himself reliable, trustworthy, unswerving, unfailing. 
as the shepherd of his flock. Now, I don't mean that God is obligated somehow to prove himself to us. Rather, it's already in his nature, his character, his properties, using the words of the Book of Common Prayer. It is his property to always be trustworthy, to be always be merciful. He could do no other. Arguably, the primary way God proves himself trustworthy to us is by his voice, by the word of his mouth. We can know that God is trustworthy when something does happen the way God said it would, or that what God said is factually true, or that what God said is qualitatively good for everyone and everything else. Others, there's ultimately a record a scoreboard, if you will, that already counted the ways God has proven to be trustworthy, to be reliable. That record, that kept score of God, so to speak, is called the Bible. It's the Bible. It's a record about the many different stories and instances in history when God proved to his people his voice is trustworthy, showing his people that his word is unfailing and powerful and can do things and can make things happen. And those things that happen are actually good. So that record also kept track of how people, when they heard and trusted God's voice, they followed him. It's a record also of how people misheard God's voice. It's also a record of more often than not that they've followed different voices around them and even inside of them. So that story in the Bible is not much different today. And we as sheep still hear different voices around us Inside of us, whether good or bad, calling out for us to follow them. And God, our shepherd, continues to call each of us by name with the voice of his word. So the question for us today is, do we hear and recognize God's voice? Do we hear and recognize his voice? One main way we can hear and recognize his voice is it's a pretty cliche one. It's sadly become cliche, especially now coming from a pastor, because of how fundamental it is and how difficult it is to keep doing, and that is to read and know the Bible. Read and know your scriptures. That's the only way we as followers of Jesus can hear and recognize God's voice. I mean, it takes time for sheep to attune to their shepherd's voice. So also it takes time to get to know God's voice in the Bible. See, the more you read, you, you meditate, you reflect, you study and eat the scriptures, the more you will become familiar to who God is. The more you're familiar with God, it will be easier to recognize his voice whenever you don't have the Bible around. You have the Bible in your heart. You have the Bible in your brains. Whenever you're out and about in life, you are able to recognize his voice above all the other voices that clamor and claim your own thoughts, your actions, your choices, your affection. Do you hear and recognize the voice of God? So after Jesus told the parable, it says in verse 6 that the religious leaders did not understand what Jesus was getting at. This was John's way of hinting at the blindness of the religious leaders who had earlier in the last chapter claimed to have clear vision. We could see, they said. Now last Sunday we heard from Tim that the man who was healed from blindness, not only did he gain physical sight, he gained spiritual sight. 
because he saw and recognized who Jesus is. When Jesus said, I'm the son of man, the man said, it was said of, from John that he believed him and worshipped him. In contrast, the religious leaders, despite their legal and theological education, they did not and could not see Jesus. So Jesus tells this story, parable of the shepherd, as a way to confirm and expose how truly blind the religious leaders were. They were supposed to shepherd God's people, but instead, they were fleecing and butchering the people for their meat. That's what they did to the man born blind. They banished him. That's what they did to the parents of the man born blind. They shamed him, threatened him. The religious leaders were like thieves and robbers who would use and abuse the people as they pleased. A long time ago, during the uh, time of the Babylonian exile, God berated the governors and priests of Israel through the prophet Ezekiel. We had read that in our first reading, that God condemned these would-be shepherds of Israel. The weak you've not strengthened, the sick you've not healed, the injured you've not bound up, the strayed you've not brought back, the lost you've not sought, and with force and harshness you've ruled over them. The same thing was happening in Jesus' day. And sadly, even still today, these are happening in our institutions, not just in churches, but everywhere around us. The religious leaders amassed and maintained their power by having the rest of the people carry them on their backs, loaded with unrealistic laws and unforgiving religious expectations. The religious leaders did not understand this parable. So Jesus explains further by extending the metaphor even further in verse 7. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. This is the second lesson of the door. You see this back and forth between Jesus and the religious leaders. It came down to this issue. This issue of who is in and who is out of God's community. This was really an issue of who's really part of the faithful fold of God who's inside and outside of the fold of his people. Because again, this was about the religious leaders banishing unjustly the man who was healed from blindness, essentially condemning him as an outcast of God's sheepfold. And then Jesus comes to them, confronts them, and doubles down, in fact, on the issue. Do Do you really obsess on who is in and who is out of God's flock? So preoccupied by your laws, your regulations, so you can judge who belongs and who does not belong. Let me tell you this. Truly, truly, this is what I'm saying to you. I'm what separates what's in from out. I'm the door of the sheepfold. How you deal with me determines whether you're in or out. I am the door. I'm the only access to the life of God. I make the difference between whether you are in or out of God's flock. That's an incredible claim. Jesus has consistently made all these crazy claims about himself during the Feast of Shelters as he continues to dig in under the skin of the religious leaders. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, they will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. If anyone enters by me, literally, if anyone passes through me, that one can be saved. Now let's go back to that sheepfolded image 
Because earlier, Jesus in that parable had described a kind of sheepfold you'd find in the village. But here, he's talking about the kind of sheepfold you'd find out in the fields. See, these were all set up all over the countryside as temporary shelters or rest stops for itinerant flocks. Now, while out in the fields, before the shepherds would bring the sheep into the fold, the shepherd would stand by the entrance at the gate of the sheepfold. And the shepherd will make each sheep pass by them and count the sheep. So once the whole flock is in, the shepherd would literally sit or lay themselves down, their bodies at the opening to block the entrance. Nothing would go in, nothing would go out without the shepherd knowing about it. This is what Jesus is saying here. You have to get past by me. You have to go by me. You have to go through me to get in or out of the fold. The shepherd needs to know who you are before you could go in or out of the fold. In other words, again, this is about a relationship. This is about a relationship. The shepherd needs to know you. You need to know the shepherd to have access in and out of the fold. But then, according to Jesus, anyone could technically, anything could technically still get in the fold, right? You could climb over the, the, the walls, the fence. You could dig underneath to get in there. You could parachute from the sky to get in there. But if you went, never went through the door where the shepherd is, you're not actually part of the flock. You have merely trespassed. So you could show up to church. You could get baptized. You could have communion and never go through the door. You could read the Bible and pray every day and show up to small group and volunteer on Sundays and never go through the door. You could cast out demons. You could do acts of power and speak tongues, bring people to faith, and never go through the door. You could live sustainably, rally for social reform, overturn systems of injustice, and end climate change, and never go through the door. Do you know Jesus? But more importantly, does Jesus know you? Does he recognize you? Do you recognize him? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? I am the door. If anyone enters by me, they will be saved. They will be saved. In this context, being saved just means being kept safe. Being kept safe. While out in the fields, sheep are in constant danger from thieves, from predators, from storms, from almost everything else. See, the sheepfold provides some measure of security and safety. But ultimately, it's the shepherd. It's the shepherd who ultimately secures and keeps their sheep safe. And though the, she- the shepherd is around, this does not mean the sheep are out of the woods. They're still far from home, far from town. They're not completely free from danger. But they are kept safe because the shepherd is around. He's nearby. None shall be taken. None shall be lost. None shall be killed. Yes, sheep can wander away. They can get lost. But the shepherd is nearby. He's keeping watch. He's keeping track. Now, along the journey, we, as Christians, we get scraped up in life, we get cut up, we're bruised and bumped around, even by Christians in the same fold. There are deep cuts that will leave scars, 
Scars may not fully heal and we may still feel the pain even today, even now. This would have pushed us, some of us, out of the fold. Have made made us to run away from the flock. We would still need time, perhaps. Maybe we'll eventually find our way back. Or even right now, we don't want to go back at all. But the day is far from over. The day is not yet over. The sun is still up. We are still all out in the fields. And the shepherd is still around. He's still around, always looking, always searching, calling out to each of us by our names. For he knows his own sheep, his sheep knows his voice, and none of his shall be lost. They shall all be saved. Do you still hear his voice calling out for you? I am the door. If anyone enters by me, they will be saved. They will go in and out and find a pasture. Go in and out and find pasture. We will end on this last reflection. See, that's a metaphor, going in and out and find pasture. That's a metaphor for perfect freedom. Perfect freedom. See, there's a collect in the Book of Common Prayer called the Collect of Peace. We pray it during the daily office of morning prayer. It addresses God as the author of peace, the lover of goodwill, the knowledge of whom stands our eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom. Freedom is indeed perfected when we're absolutely in service to God. When we're loose to graze upon His goodness, when we're released to share of His gifts to others, when we're unleashed for the joy of His mission to make a new creation out of us and even out of this world. See, the sheep experiences the goodness of their shepherd when their shepherd gives them the freedom to go in and out of the fold, to go out for the green grass, to go out for running water, and then to go back in when you're feeling afraid, when you're feeling miserable, when you're needing shelter, when you need to feel safe. And so it is with Jesus to the sheep of his pasture. And we may run to him. We may run to him for safety and just for his embrace in prayer. Prayer is not so much our asking God for stuff. We can do that, but our prayers really are hanging out in the presence of him to feel his affection, his presence each day because we love him. We want to be close to him. He is our friend and he loves us. We feel safe with Jesus Christ. And from there, we may go out from him to the pasture of this world to share his love and grace to the people he is still beckoning and calling to himself. Come and be part of this flock. Come into the fold. Do you hear Jesus' voice? Do you recognize his voice? Have you gone through him? Have you passed by him? Has he led you in? Who is the door to sheepfold? Listen to his voice. He's still calling you by your name. Enter through his gate, and you will find the life of God in his fullness, in whose service is perfect freedom. Amen. You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services.